Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 7th edition Call of Cthulhu tabletop role-playing game rules by Chaosium. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try very hard to stick to language for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast may include mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc. that may bear resemblance to entities living or dead is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Diamond, and for tonight's game, I will be your keeper. Thank you for joining us again on another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. I'm your keeper, Keeper Michael, and we are back with Horror on the Orient Express. Uh, I'm very pleased to have a wonderful table full of investigators who are now desperate and interested to introduce themselves to you to my right. Hi, I'm Mike, and I'm playing James Robert Fraser. Excellent. And to his right. Hi, I'm Rena Henze, and I'm playing Lady Elizabeth Fitzroy. Mm, yes. And uh, at the end of the table. Hi, I'm Giles, and I'm playing Simon Llewellyn Griffith. All right, very good. To his right. Hi, I'm Miranda, and I'm playing Maggie Bellinger. Wonderful. And last but most certainly not least. I'm Martin, and I'm playing Professor Richard Courtney. Wonderful. And so we raise the curtain tonight on Cheapside in London. It seems that all of our investigators have begun to hone in on this location from multiple different angles. Uh, So we will raise the curtain and open our scene with a sputtering auto near an address they received on a card. Uh, Inside the vehicle, uh, we find uh, Mr. Fraser and uh, Lady Elizabeth and one Maggie Bellinger. Yeah, I'll find I'll I'll find a uh, a place to to park the car, which I, I think is um, going to be relatively trouble free. Keep my eyes open for uh, any insalubrious characters. It's um, mm, a wonderful idea because um, I'm I'm well aware of the the, the type of uh, personage that hangs around the streets of Cheapside. Indeed, you are. It seems a bit of rain is is starting up this evening. Your ladyship, uh, Miss Belanger, would you uh, like me to remain in, in the car whilst you... Uh... I, I would prefer it if you came in with us, Fraser. I don't know what's in there. I see, I see. Uh, well, it looks like uh, the rain's starting on, so if, uh, I'll just get the umbrella for you. Thank you. Can I look around and see if I notice anyone like watching us or or paying any special attention to us, Mike. Oh, you are welcome to make a spot hidden roll if you'd like. I like to think there's a chance that we're drawing quite a bit of attention <laughs> this nice car. Yeah. It... That's a regular success. 49 under 50. There do seem to be some strange characters about, but it's hard to differentiate them from the rest of the people who are here. Other than the fact that they're trying to ask for alms or there's uh, some sort of... Uh, there's a man down the street there who seems to be you're not sure whether or not he's watching the car or maybe he's watching the building across the street from you tough to say but uh, you don't see anyone directly giving you an uh, the eye as it were all right 
Um, but you are parked in front of a very uh, inauspicious and, well, quite frankly, grimy building here. This is not what you would say is one of London's finest. I'll get out of the car and uh, just kind of before I get out, I say, just bear with me for one moment, your ladyship. Uh, and what I'm going to do is when I get out, I'm going to look for to see if there's uh, any couple of little street street urchins or mudlocks or, or whatnot uh, around. Uh, and yeah. and uh, if I can see a couple of young lads, I'll, I'll beckon them over towards me. Yeah, easily done. Well, young gentleman, would you care to uh, earn a shiny silver sixpence? Mm-hmm. Their eyes light up. Oh, of course, sir. Yeah, well, uh, see that car over there, the, the fancy one there with the two ladies sitting inside it? Well, I'd like you to use your beady eyes to keep an eye on that car. And if anyone uh, comes over and tries to interfere with it or, or pays any kind of a, uh, uh, an interest to it, if you know what I mean, you let me know, yes, gentlemen? Of course. They uh, hop up and down. From it. They're, they're definitely raring to yeah. could go. Well, here. Here's a penny each for you, just now. And uh, when I come back, I expect to see you still here, and uh, there'll be a sixpence for you. Wonderful. So, Richard and Simon have made their way up from the tube, and you can see as the rain starts, there does seem to be, at this address up ahead, there seems to be a rather luxurious automobile. You catch sight of a man with a umbrella who's talking to a couple of children nearby. That man seems to be somewhat familiar. Oh, Simon, it does appear that um, we're not alone here. I, I recognise that chap. Was it, uh, what, what was her name? La- Lady Fitzroy, was it? Her manservant? His name's Fraser, but you might not want to be so loud talking around down here. No, no, perhaps you're right. Should we head over? How about you head over and I will hang back a little just to make sure we're all safe and not been watched. I think, yes, that's a good idea. Richard's not really going to sort of hide the fact that he just wants to find his uh, his esteemed colleague and friend, Professor Smith, so he's going to uh, gonna make a beeline for the door of this place. It would be almost impossible for uh, Miss Fraser for you to miss... That's what I was going to ask you. Professor Court, yeah. there's no way with, with uh, just knowing what your spot hidden is, there's, there's virtually no way he can approach the door without you noticing. I'll unfurl the, the umbrella and prepare to uh, uh, escort Lady Elizabeth out of the car. And uh, as I do so, I'll, I'll look over towards the, the two gentlemen headed towards the door of the, the, the building that we're, we're going to, into and just try and see if they notice me and nod a, nod a greeting to them. One gentleman. Ah, is it just the one gentleman? I yeah. see, yes. At the point where you look over and see Professor Courtney, he is alone. Ah, okay. So I'll see Professor Courtney then and uh, nod a, uh, a greeting to him. Richard will just nod back, sort of tip, tip his hand in the air, uh, just acknowledge that he's seen you. With that, I'll open the door for Lady Elizabeth and um, see her out onto the pavement. Don't worry, I'll open my own door. <laughs> <laughs> Marvelous. You're so accomplished. I can only open one door at a time. <laughs> My arms aren't that long. <laughs> Is that what they teach in finishing schools in America? How to open doors? Yes, how to do things for yourself. Sounds dreadful. So, uh, Maggie, I assume you're hopping, hopping out of the car? Yeah. <laughs> the colonial, the independent colonial spirit, your ladyship. <laughs> you hop out of the car and you immediately see Richard uh, coming up the street. 
<laughs> I will, I wave. Richard, is that you? Hello, you're with the others. Um, yes, how, how are you? Margaret, isn't it? Yes. I'll wait for him to get closer and then I'll under my breath. You must have got a letter too? Yes, I thought it was just me. Did, 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 you, did you receive a letter? Well, I didn't particularly, but I was with the Lady Elizabeth here. I was dreadfully worried when I heard about the professor, and so I sought her out to see if she had any additional information, and, and she happened to get the letter while we were um, conversing. I did t- contemplate coming alone. Uh, it, it, it did say not to bring anybody, and we we do seem to have come somewhat mob-handed. Yes, ours also said not to bring anybody. I am rather concerned, if I'm honest. If you don't mind, I think we should continue this inside. Yes, I agree. We should probably talk about it less and uh, do a little more. Yes, I'm, I'm being reminded about that and uh, all of the time at the minute. I, yes, yes perhaps, perhaps I should be more cautious. Who's knocking? I think in the absence of any other strong-willed person, Richard will just be uh, <laughs> going for this door. Richard knocks. While this is happening, Mr. Fraser, he's uh, holding an umbrella over uh, her ladyship. He is actually not so much paying attention to what they're talking about, but he is eyeballing up and down the street because he's well aware of the fact that the note said, make sure you're not followed. If you are hanging back, Simon, and your intention is to not be seen, then you need to make a stealth roll. That needs to be opposed by uh, Miss Fraser's spot hidden. I will fail that one. Okay, very good. So all I would require then from, from you is, uh, is just a successful spot-hidden roll, Fraser. And that's a zero-two. Ooh. Okay, two things are absolutely true, first and foremost, that, you, um, that I'll give you off the top. And that is, you do not appear to be followed directly. Uh, the second one is the exception. That exception is Simon Griffith, not but less than... 20 to 30 yards away mm-hmm. he's trying to conceal himself but it's clear that he's here mm-hmm. uh, and that he's watching who who's at the front door at this point mm-hmm. uh, there are no other eyes other, other than the the, the small uh, street urchins that you'd uh, mm-hmm. that you'd asked about uh, those are the only other people here in the moment so the water them after all I'll stand and uh, I'll not make it obvious that I've uh, that I've seen him but I'll, I will keep an eye on him to see what what he's up to Richard, you knock on the door and you are greeted uh, very carefully by an older gentleman that you know, and that would be Beddoes. You see his suit that he is wearing is uh, looks a little worse for wear. You see that his hands are heavily bandaged. His face is a bit flushed, uh, red, not burned per se, but he definitely has a, a haggard look to him, and he... Uh, cracks the door open just a bit, but you can tell as he steps back he uh, he intends to open the door further. C- c- come in. Come in. What is this all about, Beddoes? He uh, opens the door and you see this, uh, this cheap side apartment has a, a not a formal parlor, but there's a long enough of a, a walk through for you to be able to step in, at least a few of you. Um, he looks out on the out the door and sees a few of the rest of you and he makes a motion with his bandaged hands uh, for you to, to come inside. What's going on? Um, 
I got this note and uh, where, where's Julius? Is he okay? Settle down, Richard. Is this all of you? There's another I I travelled with. He's he's keeping watch from the street. No, go and go and grab him now. Richard will just uh, sort of push past the others and uh, give Simon a wave back back in back into him to come. Okay, and then uh, Maggie and Lady Elizabeth and uh, Miss Fraser, what are you? Uh, what are your moves at this point? Um, well, I'm I'm waiting for the ladies to uh, get in in undercover from the from the rain. Uh, and uh, once once they're in, and also if I see Simon coming across the street, I'll wait for him to uh, to go into the house, and then I'll take take a quick look all the way around, and then I'll go into the house myself. Yeah, we'll let your um, last spot hidden roll ride there as you f- eventually come inside. Uh, the street seems to be clear of anyone else. Simon, are you joining them? Do I see anybody waving me in? You do. Uh, I will break from the shadows and stride over there. Not at a run, but a fast walk. Sure. Uh, After everyone's inside and and had a moment to clear the, either the rainwater off of themselves or get, you can see, you can all see that it looks like Professor Smith's uh, manservant Beddoes has been harmed in the fire. You can tell his hands are, they're bandaged well, but, uh, but he was definitely hurt in all this. His hair is uh, a bit frazzled from the experience. He does not look like you have you saw him the last time, Richard, when he was well well kept. Well, your ladyship, um, I'll wait here with um, with Mister Beddoes, and I'll be uh, here as and when you need me. Very well. Although he has seemed to have invited all of us who were at that party, Fraser, and you were there. If you're sure, your ladyship. If he doesn't want you there, he can ask you to leave. I would rather err on the side of assuming that he wants us all there. Uh, of course. Uh, of course. Um, I- I'll come along with you then. Beddoes uh, gives you all a quick nod, and you see him move towards the door. Uh, you would imagine this is a lower-level bedroom. He pauses for a moment, and then uses his fingertips rather than his hand to tap on the door. You can tell that even with the the tap of his fingers, there's a wince from it. And then he um, speaks up and says, uh, 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 Professor, they've arrived. He turns the handle and opens the door. He steps to the side and then gestures into the room. This bedroom is not very well appointed. It's got a very simple bed and uh, a few tables, a few small tables to set items on. You can see some items here have been put down in haste, mostly um, a few articles of clothing. It looks like there's a, a valise here, case and whatnot, and then uh, some first aiding material. At the far end of the bedroom on this bed rests a, a collection of bandages, which was once probably better known as Professor Smith. He's heavily bandaged. There is a smell that catches the nose of both uh, Mr. Fraser and Mr. Griffith. You smell World War I in a very unique way. You can tell just from his posture and just from the bandaging, it appears that Professor Smith was pretty badly burned. Mr. Fraser kind of 
opens up a little as the, the smell hits his nostrils. Thank, thank you all for coming. You hear his voice is not nearly as boisterous as it once was. He gestures for you all to, to come in. You can see a bandaged hand kind of raises and gestures you forward. Beddoes does what he can to uh, appoint the room with a few uh, seats. Mostly simple wooden chairs, but enough to sit down on. Does Beddoes uh, stay with us? or He stands outside the room itself, but he leaves the door open. But just enough so that way if you, you would believe that if um, pr- the professor needed anything, he would be within earshot. As, as he goes out, I'll, I'll kind of catch his eye and put my hand on his, his shoulders. Good man, Mr. Beddoes. Good man. You can tell that he takes the praise very hard. He's not by any means emotional about it, but he's holding up as best he can. You hear the the now raspy voice of Professor Smith speak up a little. I uh, I apologize for the um, inconvenience and the uh, strange requests. <clears throat> I I have I only have a bit of strength. I've called you here because there is there is something I must impress upon you all. I fear um, something has gotten away from me and I will not be able to uh, deal with this situation myself. He turns to you, Richard, and uh, and almost looks uh, apologetic. He looks like he's in a significant amount of physical pain. You can all tell that the drapes in the room have been pulled. There's very little light in here outside of just a, a few candles that he has available. Um, but even though there are just a few candles, the, his face looks like it was intensely burned, uh, even more so than the rest of his body. My God, Julius, what's what's happened? It came for me last night. Who came for you? It, it seems my research has gathered me a bit of uh, trouble, which makes sense when I look at it in its totality. Does <laughs> this rolling, racking cough that comes out of him? <laughs> Bettos, um, some some water, please. You see, um, Bettos rush in and get him something to drink. Mm, mm. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I, I don't have long. To, to, uh, the voice comes and goes, so uh, if you forgive me, I will try to be direct. I've been on the trail of something fantastic for the better part of two and a half years. I have um, traveled all over the continent to... <clears throat> track down this this legend. And it seems even as um, fantastical as it it may seem to be after I impart this to you, it appears that it is true. My house was burned. A group of what I believe are Turkish men shattered the windows a few nights ago uh, and threw I, don't know, I assume uh, accelerants into the house. It was all Beddoes could do was to save me. 
I assume the house is a total loss, as is... <coughs> as, uh, as is... Uh, three decades of experience. Oh. But I must ask something of you, Richard. What is it you should ask? I must ask you to go in my stead to seek and to find something most critical. Well, of course. But, but what is it? It is a... An artifact. A series of them, actually. It is um, the Sedekvar Simulacrum. It's an artifact. It's immense in power, potentially. It was taken apart and scattered across Europe at the end of the 18th century. I need you to retrieve the pieces <coughs> and destroy it. What does it do? He... He coughs and then takes another sip of water with Beto's kind of assisting him in that regard. It transfers uh, some essence and it it makes something in it transforms something, someone into something they are not. It was it's a, it's a statue. A, a, a massive statue, a man-sized. A statue? Yes. Um, uh, think of um, think of a hollowed-out golem. I see. The statue was d- dismembered in Paris uh, just prior to the French Revolution. You see Beddoes begins writing on a piece of paper. A part of it might still be in France. Uh, the owner was a, a noble, Comte, uh, Comte Fenelique. And then uh, Napoleon's soldiers carried a piece of it into Venice when they invaded uh, uh, another fragment and made its way uh, to uh, Trieste uh, at the same time. I, I could not figure out its fate. I could not douse where it was. Uh, look up uh, Johann uh, Winkelmann at the museum there in Trieste. He may be able to assist you. There may yet be a piece in the kingdom of Serbs, Croats, and Slovenes. Um, I would beg you to start at the National Museum of Belgrade there. Uh, there is a uh, Mr. Uh, no, 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 Dr. Dr. Milovian uh, Torvodic. It's its curator. One part was lost near Sofia uh, during the Bulgarian War in 1875. At that time, things of value were hidden from invaders so it may be buried somewhere. I I wish you can see him kind of curl his hands a bit, and when he does, you pick up the sound of what sounds like celery cracking. There was a, a piece in circulation in Paris just, just after the Great War. It was sold to someone from Milan. He takes a long exhale, and then looks at Lady Elizabeth. I beg your pardon, my lady, but you have a part to play in this as well. Does this have something to do with father? It does. I would not seek to d- divulge anything here, but I believe... You must know that your father and I were part of the same literary society. Yes, we briefly briefly brought that up the last time I saw you. You mentioned the books and, and some other things. Yes, I, 
I did so because I was so hoping that it would never come to this, but I, I would be remiss if I hadn't said something. What do you need from me? The, the, the tome I spoke of you about, it, it contains information, a way of unraveling this thing. Um, but it, it is precious and delicate. And so you must not strong arm this tome open. You must find whatever secret it is to unlock it. I was hoping you might have some suggestions there. I've been trying with no avail. No, I, I know the Earl himself tried for, for years to unlock it or figure it out. Or so he told me, but I I don't know if he ever found a way or not. He told me not to open it, which makes me assume he did. Or at least he knew what was inside. He took that tome from the small group of us that were a part of the society at the time. Most have passed at this point, but I believe the book contains a specific ritual, a rite that must be used over this... Uh, this collection of artifacts. It, it must be... It must have its protections broken, and then, and then a, a right can be placed on it that will destroy it forever. Interesting. Well, you you said you thought that perhaps the professor could help me with with this book, uh, Professor Courtney. Can you tell me anything more about that? I did. I did want to ask about this device. Is it in any way related to the book or or this this simulacrum? It is probably fortunate that. You were able to have some time with it. I, I was not able to confess it at the time, of course, Richard, but I was able to see through the device as well. I needed a second set of eyes that I could trust, and, and I've always been able to, to trust you, Richard. I needed to be able to know whether or not it, what I saw was real. I, I believe it very much was. If my experience is anything to go by, I saw different places, different times, for all I know, in a different universe. It, it, it was a- absolutely fascinating and unbelievably un- mind-blowing. I, I don't know where to begin. Well, I can tell you where to begin. The betters there is making a note, you see. Always, always handy. He um, coughs, another big, rolling, racking cough. I would urge you to locate and collect these pieces. There is a a specific place they must be taken. It's in Constantinople. It's a place called the Shunned Mosque. There is a ritual, I believe, a set of scrolls that can be used to, once discerned, to to destroy them. A a process. I don't know if that process is uh, alchemical or scientific or, quite frankly, something else. Uh, takes a final drink from his glass. My voice is nearly gone, but it, it will take it will take quite a, a bit of, of, of foresight and willpower and and purpose, you must understand. You must not you must not give up. I have devoted years of my life to this, and I believe that this Sidiqwar, Siglacrimos, I believe that it it's going to fall into the wrong hands. Hands that will ruin us. 
Well, of course. Um, I would be honoured to carry on your work, but surely we can get you some help. I, why are you holed up here? The Turks. <laughs> he coughs and lays back against the, the pillow for his bed. The Turks. I I, I have a, a countryside home, which Beddoes has assured me he's going to take me to in a little while. But we must be careful. They, they've already tried to kill me once. Beddoes um, takes the glass back from the side table the professor has it on and says... When they came for him, I had only the fireplace poker, but I have got a few wax in. You can see that the bandage on, on Beto's uh, hands, the underside of them, you can tell that there's there's a bit of staining there. Uh, go and go quickly. <clears throat> Beto's will give you anything you need. I do need some assurance that you, you'll be away from this foul place and... You must get help. I mean, we, we I'm sure, can continue along with uh, with your investigations and to to seek this artifact in Paris that you speak of, but um, I'm sure you can heal, rest up, and, uh, and join us. Uh, perhaps. It's probably the weakest, perhaps, you've heard from him in a long time. Beddoes steps forward and says, uh, Professor, if... If we could take this into the adjoining room, I, uh, our professor here must rest. Yes, of course. So he steps out with you and uh, respectfully motions for the rest of you to, to join us. So it's at this point that he closes the door after you all exit the room, carefully giving one last final look in and then uh, steps around to the, the front area, the front of the group of you, and says, um, in two days' time, we will make for the professor's countryside home, where I hope to rest and recuperate him. He was quite worried that uh, some of these assailants, these they may come after him again. In, in that case, are you sure that you weren't followed here? Uh, I'm certain. Surely, Mr. Biddles, uh, if, if these uh, assailants know where... Dr. Smith's London house is they will be aware of where his country home is. I believe it, it will be. I have made plans to contact Scotland Yard shortly. How much do you know of, of, of this affair that uh, the professor has been telling us about? Are you privy to all the details? Uh, I am not, but I took some notes um, once he'd mentioned before and then others uh, that he mentioned there in the room hopefully they can be of uh, some assistance for you uh, he steps back into the professor's room just very carefully and pulls out a very small um, case uh, and the case is actually seems relatively uh, it's, it's almost an antique uh, and then he gives it to you Richard Professor would not want you taking on such a task if uh, if you weren't properly prepared. Um, what's in here? Um, do you open it? Um, yeah, I think uh, I think Richard will open it. He's curious. He's a curious man and a trusting soul. Oh, very much so. <laughs> uh, so what you see is, well, quite frankly, rather fantastic. 
what you see are banknotes. Many five-pound sterling banknotes. There should be about 10,000 pounds there. Beddoes, this is a, a king's ransom, I think. I've never seen so much money. Uh, well, he had been saving it up for his travel. I surely can't take all this. I mean... Well, you must. You will need it for the journey ahead. The professor was one to travel in comfort. He would expect you to do nothing less. Well, I mean, I hope to return some of it, surely. I should uh, I should hope you uh, will be done with this matter shortly. And you can return, with the, the professor having recovered from his ailments. He'd planned to travel on the Orient Express. He was prepared to go to the ends of the earth. I know him. I know the my master's look. I know when he is set about a task. I certainly won't let him down. I mean, it does sound somewhat fascinating. Now, if you travel along the Orient Express, I can send you updates. And once the professor is better, he can assist you while you're on the trip. Or better still join us. I mean, for all the years I've known him, he's, he's certainly a hardy man. He is, but I must tell you, having bandaged him myself, his burns are very severe. Are you sure you cannot persuade him to get get help here? I mean, London, there are the finest doctors in London. The plan is in two days' time to move him to a hospital under an assumed name. Between the bandages and what he's lost, it's likely they... He could recuperate in, in quiet and comfort and perhaps just not have to worry so much. Well, if that's what he thinks is best, I, I suppose so. Mr. Beddoes, um, if you don't mind me asking, there were a few points which uh, Dr. Smith, to my mind, uh, well, I wasn't entirely clear about them, if, if I'm honest. Uh, what exactly did, did these Turks have to do with the whole thing? Why were they so intent on on the destruction of the professor's house and, and, and the harm to yourselves? The way the professor explained it to me, he was on uh, a dig in northern Greece recently. He told me a story that these uh, Turkish men had shown up while he was investigating a different part of the site, and, well, they'd first started with some pointed questions to some of his foremen and then when his people told them to mind their own business and that this was a sponsored dig the next night they'd come back and, and beaten some of them, one boy to an inch within his life oh, good lord I mean are they are they something to do with this, uh, what was the name of it now, the, the, the shunned mask is that right? Yes, the shunned mask. That is where he said this uh, this thing can be uh, put to put to bed. And what is this shunned mask? Is it a, some sort of society? Uh... My belief is that it's a building. Un unfortunately, the as a, a man who's in service, you understand that we don't we don't, we aren't told all of the details. No, of course not. Of course not. I, I, I don't. I don't wish to press the professor for information, though, which is why I'm asking you. I can see he is uh, very, very badly injured. I did manage to take some, jot some notes down. I think they might be helpful to all of you. Absolutely, yes. He yes. turns it over. These are uh, collected after just a, a bit of questions that I had, because, quite frankly, I was. I must tell you, Mister Fair, I was 
I was asking questions myself when the house was set ablaze. It all seems rather fantastical, though, does it not? Some sort of statue that, that, that can turn a man into something else? What's that all about? I wish I knew. Uh, they never... Uh, we never discussed it. But I, I must have taken two dozen telegrams over the past six months from all over Europe. The professor was working hard before he came back to London. And he believes that this thing does what it's uh, rumored to do. He does. I've never seen him so deep in belief. I mean, you, you'll forgive our skepticism, if, if you don't mind me saying so, Mr. Beddows. It, it, it all does seem ra- rather... Uh, I don't know quite quite what to say other than fantastical. I can't think of another word for it. He seemed to offer much the same, at least in a few years ago when he first tripped onto the story. But as it continued, he got deeper and deeper into the belief. I think. I mean, I don't. I don't want to make assumptions for him. Surely mm. he's his own man, and he can, when healthy, he can form his own opinions. Is it your belief that these um, these Turkish, I hesitate to call them gentlemen, are uh, the, the, these Turks are, are in some way aligned against his intention to uh, to find and destroy these pieces of the uh, what, what was it called the Sedekvar Simulacrum? Mm, the same. We were, I must tell you, uh, and I mean uh, uh, not to exaggerate, but we were besieged at the house. Professor was kind in the explanation, but when I when they came to the door, uh, and I answered, they tried to stab me straight away. Good Lord! I shut up, locked ourselves inside, and did our best to to ring for the police, but we couldn't get anyone on the line. And then the windows were smashed, and bottles of flaming alcohol came through the window, one after another. When you answered the door to him. What, what did he look like? There were two of them, but the one who'd answered, who came in first or tried to, was a. Uh, man about in his 30s. A dark complexion, bushy mustache, and uh, quick quick with a blade, that's for sure. And there were just the two of them, you say? Hmm. As far as I saw. Hmm. Very interesting. Have you uh, have you seen the, the newspapers today, Mr. Meadows? Uh, I haven't had the time, unfortunately. I've been tending the patient. By curious coincidence, uh, there were three Turkish gentlemen found dead in, in a hotel, uh, a Chelsea hotel, I believe it was. I'm sorry, I've been terribly rude. Would, would any of you like something to drink? I uh, I don't have much, but uh, I have uh, maybe a bit of uh, wine, perhaps something. I, for one, could definitely go for a bit of wine right now. A cup of tea would go down very well if you do have one. Tea would be lovely. S- straight away, straight away. You see Beto's turn to the, um, the small uh, kitchen area that's there, and he starts... So he begins the process of being who who he is at heart, which is a servant. I can't help but kind of move towards the the, the kitchen with him to say, would, "Would you care for some assistance there, Mister Beddow, sir?" Yeah, uh, pl- please, of course, Mister Fisher. Shall I be mother? <laughs> of course. Uh, you see that he is doing his best with two bandaged hands, but yes. even with two bandaged hands, he is uh, he is old hat at this. I am not going to impose on anything he wants to do himself. I, I, I you know, I've got enough respect for him and not not to sort of just completely take over. Um, mm-hmm. I will let him struggle, and it, only if he turns to me and, and sort of looks like he would like a hand, will I actually do something. However, I'll I'll do other, uh, you know, other parts of getting the tea ready. 
It really isn't. It really isn't until the end uh, or nearing the end of the the preparation of it that you can tell he kind of sheepishly asks you to put you know a few, a few cups and saucers together. He's he ha- has to uh, take it a little slower than he wants. Mm-hmm. Of course, yes, of course I will. So, Professor, this device of yours. Yes. What does it do exactly? That's an excellent question. I... Yes, that's why I asked. Yes, thank you. Well, it's it's hard to know where to begin. It's like this... Are you aware of uh, nautical things? Um, something called a sextant? I am familiar with the concept, yes. Okay. The device is, is almost packaged in a sextant. It's the, the sextant element is, is almost incidental... When I inspected this device, it it sort of came apart, changed its form. You know, like a a clamshell or or something, um, revealing its insides. And within this was a a, a dazzling array of different um, lenses uh, and mirrors and things. And you might think me somewhat peculiar, but I I held this up to my face. and, And in the first instance, I was able to see... My own house, perhaps not unexpectedly, but but through these lenses, I was able to see a, a family, um, perhaps from the Victorian era, before my very eyes, in in my own house, as if it was from the past, from history, from from years ago. And obviously, not satisfied with this this sort of single excursion, I I tried others, and with a different combination, took me to a a place with with mountains and cliffs and. And the third time, I saw my own house, but but in ruins, as if it was bombed during the war. Yet, my house was not bombed during the war. I mean, other thoughts have, uh, have come to mind. Um, certainly after the lecture, I was, I was sort of wondering whether maybe there was a, a connection with the spirit world. I, I, I appreciate this all sounds somewhat fantastic, but all I can tell you is what I've seen. That sounds marvellous. So you think you have something that can see into the past? Definitely the past, and I don't know, maybe sort of sideways to other places and and maybe to other universes. I've yet to sort of reach a conclusion on this. Absolutely marvellous. I've heard of such things, of course, but never thought I'd actually see one. You have? You must bring it around to my house immediately. Where, Where have you heard of this? No, no, just things that I've that I've read, not your thing specifically, but about being able to, to see other worlds or, or see other times, perhaps, if, if you use certain configurations, devices. It's all very theoretical. Uh, some oh places just sort of hint at it being a possibility, but I've never read of it, read of it actually happening. I, I can assure you it's, it's more than a possibility. I, I mean, Julius would certainly not go on some crazy jaunt to, to discover something like that if he, if, he, if he wasn't sure that something like that was possible and uh, I, I I must confess I I couldn't imagine him spending two and a half years on on such a thing and, and only just mention it and Richard sort of looks a bit hurt that he doesn't perhaps know more about what uh, what Julius has been up to than he actually does <laughs> Elizabeth looks extremely excited like her her eyes are lit up and she got a bit of color in her face for once and Fraser would know this as as her uh, getting really excited over a new toy kind of kind of look 
we, we must get together. We, 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 we absolutely must compare notes. I'm, I'm really interested to, to, to hear what you have to say, what you find out. And I wish to see this device of yours. Test it out. Try it. I'm, I'm fascinating. Yes, of course. Well, won't there be plenty of time for that if we're all entertaining the idea of traveling together? Oh, yes, that. But this first. I I think maybe we should do both together. I'm, I mean, the professor did say there's some sort of sense of urgency here. It does all seem connected. I, I mean, less than a month ago, I was uh, lecturing mathematics at, at King's College. And now we've been exposed to talk of the spirit world, a device that takes you to different places and times, and the content of your book sounds intriguing. And and this simulacrum, they, they have to be connected. Things are always connected. I, for one, am very interested to test your device on my book. Don't know if it'll do anything, but I have to try. Perhaps if the book was opened before... Exactly. We could perhaps device... see it being opened. Yes, yes, precisely, says says Richard. He's, he's really excited now. Oh, this is just too marvellous. Like, she seems to have completely forgotten that there's a half-burned-to-death man in the other room. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that. Bettos turns around, and uh, I, I would interject here that there are bringing tea and wine, uh, which seems a bit odd for him to serve. They're not. De- they're definitely not served on the same tray. Uh, and then uh, he steps back, basically, and, and uh, assumes a service position, which is um, as close to being out of the way as possible. Right. So, are we actually going to do this whole traveling thing? I, for one, am a big fan. I need something new to do. Seeing the world sounds marvelous. I don't think I have ever agreed with you more. And this will probably be the last time. Don't get used to it. If I might remind uh, your ladyship, you do have an engagement with the Duchess of Aylesbury on a week on Thursday. Oh, we can put that off. Um, very good, your ladyship. She won't mind, and I definitely won't. When should we leave? Uh, Simon, what do you think of all this? Are you planning on setting out on this adventure with us? Are y'all off your rockers? You drop everything and rush up? Have you even thought about logistics? Oh, they'll sort themselves out. They usually do. Dumbfounded look on my face right now. I glance over at Fraser. I don't have anything else keeping me for the time being, so this sounds like it would be quite a good way to spend my time. Fraser kind of looks back at him with a, a blank expression. But he can probably tell if um, he's in any way perceptive that uh, Mr. Fraser thinks this is a fool's errand. However, it is his lady's fool's errand, and he will follow her. I'll go along just to keep y'all out of trouble, but y'all are inexperienced. Inexperienced at what? Some may say I have more experiences. What sort of experiences would that be, dear? I have a shocked look, and I glance at Fraser again. Fraser just kind of looks at you, shakes his head. (laughs) I can, I can assure you, um, Mr. Griffith, that uh, the ladies will be well protected. There's two of them, there's one of you. And who's going to cover Richard? I will. Well, that's fantastic. I've, I, I don't know how firearms work. I'd be, uh, it would be fantastic to have you along. Well, I already knew that, Richard. I'm shaking my head. I, I, I hardly think it's going to come to that, Mr. Courtney. 
Well, one would hope not, but um, always, always good to have some protection. Well, it seems to me that the intention is to travel on the Orient Express, visiting these various locations, identify where these particular pieces of the artefacts lie, gather them together, and then when they are all gathered together, form some mystical incantation over them to prevent the use of them for their intended purpose of whatever that might be um, and uh, then physically destroy them. Seems a simple enough task to me. That's what the professor's asked for um, and, and maybe with uh, with Lady Elizabeth uh, discover the secrets of this device and, and her book. Yes, that is definitely a must. Did I understand the, the professor correctly in thinking that his understanding was that contained within the book that you have, Your Ladyship, was some sort of method of removing the protections that are being placed upon the, these different artefacts, these different parts of the whole, as it were. He certainly seems to think so. I see. More magical uh, spells and whatnot. I know how <clears throat> you feel about this, Fraser. Well, it's called nonsense, isn't it, really? I mean, I'm sure the professor's a very learned man, but this this is clearly all nonsense. Yes, but it is my nonsense, Fraser, so you will put up with it. Of course, I have absolutely uh, no desire to uh, go against your your wishes, uh, your ladyship, or or indeed against the professor's, but the very very thought that these these pieces of a statue, when assembled, create some sort of device which can transform somebody into something else. I mean, you must admit, it is uh, not uh, an an everyday type of uh, occurrence. Well, last time I checked, neither is a person being able to turn a few loaves and fishes into enough to feed a multitude, but here we are. Mr. Fraser shuts his mouth and just looks at her and then looks away. So, so Fraser, when uh, she says jump, you ask how high? If her ladyship was to request me to jump, uh, I would uh, begin by asking which direction. That is my position, sir. So we're supposed to go off, collect pieces of a broken thing, a broken machine, put it back together, hope it works, use magic on it like a fairy tale, and then break it down again. Do I got that right? It sounds accurate. Quite. Your grasp of the situation is admirable. Uh, Mr. Griffith, no, no one is forcing you to uh, to accompany us on, on this expedition. I mean, you are your own man. I can see you are a, an independent gentleman with a, a strong will. I have no doubt that you will make a decision which suits yourself. Well, I'm going. The rest of you can decide whether or not you want to come, other than Fraser, obviously. Mr. Fraser takes a step beside um, Lady Elizabeth and looks at the others. As ever, Your Ladyship, I am with you. And you, of course, can count me in. Marvelous. Richard, are you going? Oh, undoubtedly. Yes, this field of study is just precisely what I've been looking for. You mean magic? Well, I've tried to explain to people before that it's, it's very easy to use a word like magic to explain things they don't yet understand. I'm sure there's a perfectly rational explanation. I- imagine if you were living in the 1200s and somebody showed you an electric light bulb. Would, would that not be magic to you? So, in a sense, possibly, but, but perhaps not with the mumbo-jumbo, if, if you take my meaning. All right, I'll go ahead and come. 
No one's got to keep you out of trouble. And it definitely ain't going to be Maggie. Excellent. I certainly hope we don't encounter any horrors on this Orient Express, but I'm sure it'll be a marvelous time. Beddoes collects the uh, teacups in the service, uh, does his best to arrange things. He wishes he could offer you more in the way of information, but he really has written down or told you everything that Professor Smith has uh, has relayed to him. He just hopes that you'll stay in contact. Uh, he tells you, if you would, the office name to cable once you get to one of your first stops. So that way he knows which train you're on uh, and can send messages ahead on the line for you. I'm assuming that we have some sort of a neutral go-between, as it were, so we're not communicating with each other directly in case the messages are intercepted. What he tells you is that there is a um, there is a service that he's used since uh, even before the war uh, to send messages back and forth between places that the professors put him onto it. He can get one of their messengers to handle things in a discreet manner. The last thing he wants to do is uh, bring any more attention to the country house should they make it there. He does intimate a bit that it will depend upon the professor's health. If we can get him to hospital, he says uh, in a relatively quick fashion, he recuperates in a few days enough to be moved, then they will move him. But if if not, then he'll do the best thing for him and keep him in hospital. I'll, I'll reiterate again to, to Mr. Beddoes how uncomfortable I feel with the, the idea of him going to his, his own house in the tree you know, and that they're taking very sensible precautions and um, he's going into a, a hospital under a, an assumed name and I would suggest that um, under this assumed name he rents he rents a cottage somewhere or something like that where where he has less chance of, of being traced to by by the people who um, perpetrated the, the the arson attack on the, on his house in London. Uh, he says that he'll he'll talk it over and he'll discuss it with the professor. He very much, much like you, serves rather than makes mm-hmm. decisions. Mm-hmm. But I'm 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 sure, much like me as well, he 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 knows his master well enough that he knows how to make suggestions um, in a way that will be taken on board. I think that he probably gives you a very knowing nod mm-hmm. when you communicate, and, I, and I'll I'll wish him the the very best of luck and, and, and once again um, you know speak to him warmly and, and you know make sure he understands that uh, uh, I, I believe his master must be very proud of him for his uh, his val- valor valorous his valor and his courageous actions um, mm. in, in order to uh, to save him from the fire and to get him to safety he gives you the uh, we do what we must speech not speech but just a bit of the yeah. uh, this is what this is our our lot in life and this is what uh, what we must do and so we do it so i guess the the final question i would have for you all tonight is after meeting professor smith and cheapside uh, where will you all go and how will you end your evening well maggie would go back to her aunt's house and convey the um activities of the evening to her since I'm going to be leaving. But I think my aunt will be okay with it because she was going to be happy to know that the professor is okay. And also um, she wanted me to take uh, an adventure. So yeah, she's 
I guess the, the question I would have for you, uh, Miranda, is does Maggie tell her that Professor Smith is okay, he's alive, uh, and that he's being seen to? Like, does she yes. do that? Or, okay. Yeah. So Edith reacts pretty well that he's okay. She immediately, of course, asks if she can go and see him. And obviously, since that's not likely possible, she comes to the resolve that getting out and helping any way you can or is uh, is important and uh, you shouldn't feel beholden to staying here in stuffy old london go out and see the world so I'd, I'd love to write to you um about my adventures aunt edith oh of course of course i should expect nothing less i want to hear every bit and uh motion and uh stir of the water as you go through i want to hear every knock and ping of the train along in your words of course. I, I'm uh, quite excited, and I'm quite relieved to that I was able to find the professor for you and that he's going to be okay. Well, I'm quite relieved that you were able to find your own professor. <laughs> Maggie blushes. Okay, so uh, Richard, speaking of professors, uh, what what's your plan for the rest of the evening? Or have, um, have you and... Uh, Lady Elizabeth possibly spun yourself up into such a tizzy where you're you're going to be desperately playing with the artifacts. You have no idea how they work. Elizabeth would definitely be like, trying to hint at him that she was. Oh, we, we we must look at this as quickly as possible. Don't you agree? Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's the professor is is, is sure we must set out on these travels, but I'm and I wouldn't want to delay, but. I am keen to investigate this further, I, I must confess. It's not a delay if we do it before we go. No, absolutely. It's not like we're leaving tonight, is it? My, my point exactly. If we, um, if, if we make speed with this, we... Uh, uh, yes, yes, I think we should. Richard is also a little bit nervous. He's aware that this um, Turkish gent was keeping a good eye on him, uh, lurking with intent at the banquet and also uh you know we've had these uh, reports in the newspapers and uh, professor smith's arson event simon would would you be so kind as to um accompany back to my uh, my house I, I i wish to collect a few things and, and and stay elsewhere this evening i'm i'm most nervous that these uh these gents that have uh, harmed uh Julius may may come after me, perhaps. Um, if you would be so kind as to to help me uh, make ready, and uh, but, but but perhaps we could we could we could stay in a, a hotel or or something. I uh, the professor's provided for these things. That might be worse. Well, thank you, thank you. I'd I'd feel most reassured. Yeah, I mean, there, London is full of exquisite hotels, depending on what you where you want to stay. So it's you really have a with the uh, valise you have, the case you have is. You really have your pick of the litter, to be honest. Yeah, I think Richard will probably go for something kind of mid-range. I don't. Uh, I, I think he'd feel incredibly awkward in the Ritz or, or something like that. So we'll say that you make accommodations elsewhere. The two of you travel back to Richard's house. You're going to collect what you seemingly need for the moment, or are you going to try to do a bit more uh, packing as if, um, as if you're preparing to travel? Well, Richard's seen. Um... His, his friend and mentor um, get absolutely ravished by these guys, so he's um, he's very much going to pack as much as he can for the uh, the trip and and sort of lock up and leave. Okay, fair enough. I would assume then that Lady Elizabeth goes back to Kensington. 
are you going to coordinate with her when you're going to meet with her? First thing tomorrow morning, I insist. Well, if you're sure, yes, why not? No time to waste. Absolutely. I would give Fraser instructions about how to start preparing for a journey in the morning, like who he needs to talk to and, and uh, how to get everything ready for the house and, and all of that. Yep, so I'll, uh, I'll, I'll take that. I'll, I'll obviously have a, an itinerary of, uh, of what needs to be packed um, and also start planning a, a travel itinerary. I'm going to ring Pierce from the hotel mm-hmm. separately. And if he picks up, I'll relay what I need to him then. Mm-hmm. He does. And it, okay, then uh, I'm going to be requesting specific items for the trip. Yeah, that's fine. Um, you can just put your request in and then uh, we'll see to it. Okay. Uh, nothing uh you're not you're not requesting any uh airplanes or tanks are you not this time <laughs> I, I can't get them in on board a train or in a valise or even a trunk mm. just a, a suitcase full of dynamite that's all you need <laughs> <laughs> it is a call of Cthulhu campaign which means it's not really complete until someone has dynamite <laughs> so so I'm going to call the session to a close then, and then uh, we look forward to seeing uh, what happens next session and to delivering that to you. I want to thank all of our listeners for allowing us to uh, find a space between their ears and entertain them for an hour or so. Uh, thank you so much and have a wonderful, wonderful day. <laughs>